The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning. So today um, I'd like to continue exploring this practice of loving-kindness. Um, just a few words about the practice first. Um, I've been exploring this for a couple of weeks, and I know some of you haven't been here, so I'm going to try to review the, um, the practice from different perspectives each week, so both that it'll help the people who haven't been here, and also will give a new perspective for those of you who have been here. So the, um, the practice of loving-kindness, the metta practice, the word metta meaning kindness, friendship, friendliness, caring, loving-kindness, various, those are various translations for the term metta. It's a, it's a practice that um, the Buddha taught, that is taught in the Buddhist tradition. That's quite a bit different as you probably noticed from the regular um, meditation practice that we do here, the mindfulness practice where we just turn towards meet our experience, whatever experience is happening. In this practice, the practice of kindness, we are actively directing our mind towards the quality of goodwill, towards the quality of kindness, and seeing if we can... um, inclining our mind towards that quality, directing uh, our thoughts in that direction to begin to cultivate that quality in our own hearts. So this is an aspect of the, um, the Buddha's teaching of wise effort in which he encouraged us to cultivate beautiful qualities and let go of uh, unskillful qualities. So this quality of loving-kindness is a quality that he recommended cultivating. And there's various ways to do that. I mean, we can do it with mindfulness. We can cultivate the quality of metta with mindfulness by noticing when it comes up, noticing what gets in its way with mindfulness. And we can also begin cultivating this quality of kindness through an active directing the mind, inclining the mind in that direction. And so this use of thoughts of dropping thoughts into our mind in the meditation connected with some specific people is a way to begin to explore this um, turning of the mind towards kindness. So the practice of using these thoughts, you know, I talked about it in the guided meditation almost as if you're dropping a pebble into a pool. And so we... Um, explore how does thinking these kinds of thoughts impact us. So this is, this is the use of reflection. This is uh, the way, in my understanding, the way this practice unfolds, the way this practice works. We start by connecting with ourselves, connecting with our experience, noticing what's happening, noticing what's happening in the area of the heart. And then as we drop these phrases into our experience, as we state these phrases in our minds, we see, how does it land for us? 
What's happening as we do that? And as I mentioned in the guided meditation, the reaction, the response may be a variety of things. There may be very little or no response. You may not notice much of a, much of a way that it lands at all. That's fine. I mean, that's just what's happening for you. There's no right or wrong here. It may be that you notice a little bit of a contraction, a little bit of a tightening when you, bringing a dear friend to mind, wish them happiness. I know that for me, when I first started this practice, when I brought a dear friend to mind and wished them happiness, there was a sense of, oh no, if I wish them happiness, it means there's less for me. Having a sense of happiness, of well-being, kind of being like, there's only so much of it to go around, and if somebody else gets it, then there's less of it for me. And so that was a, though I began to see that that was my understanding about well-being, you know, that this, this was the way I related to well-being. So that there was, a, for me, a kind of a little contraction when I would wish a dear friend well. So we begin to see what gets in our way of wishing well. We begin to understand views, ideas, beliefs that we have around wishing well. So for me, seeing that, um, well, basically a belief that happiness was a zero-sum game. There's only so much of it to go around. And beginning to learn through... Um, my, my practice, that that was a completely erroneous belief. I mean, it's like that may be true around material possessions, but happiness is not tied to material possessions. I think that was my misunderstanding. You know, that somehow I thought that happiness was tied to having things. And there is only so much of things to go around. But in the practice of meditation, I began to learn that there's a deeper kind of happiness that's connected to a sense of well-being, a letting go of needing things, uh, of having things. That letting go brings a deeper kind of peace. And there's no bounds to that happiness. Everybody can participate in that happiness. At one point, the Dalai Lama remarked, this was a number of years ago, when there were a few fewer people on the planet, He said something like, it's good to be happy in the happiness of others because that way your chances of happiness increase six billion to one. As we begin to recognize that we can be happy with the happiness of others. At that time there were six billion people on the planet, so... So, um, so this practice is a reflective practice, and this is part of what I want to explore today, the notion of the metta practice being a reflection. I think sometimes with the way that we describe the metta practice as being repeating phrases, we do, we keep repeating phrases in our mind, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you live with ease, connecting with a being, bringing a being to mind, and then wishing that being well. And these, it could be any being. I mean, I use the word being because um, you know, one of my early successes was with my cat. You know, I could wish my cat well. I could feel happy in wishing my cat well. So we don't have to limit this to human beings. So in saying these phrases over and over again, sometimes it gets kind of mental. You know, it just feels like we're just saying phrases over and over again. And it, it doesn't... Um, land or resonate. But the practice 
for me, really began to unfold when I used it as a reflection. And by reflection, um, I mean that when you bring something into your mind, and, and what I'd like to do here uh, right now is to just offer a little bit of reflection. So just allow your, your body, your mind to just be quiet. You may close your eyes for a moment. And what I'm going to do is just say a couple of words And just notice for yourself what happens in your experience as I bring these words into your consciousness. So just let yourself be quiet. Agitation. Take a breath. Ease. Generosity. Struggle. Take a breath. Peacefulness. So I'm curious if you noticed any shift in your experience with the words that I brought in. Just if anybody's willing to, to say anything about that. Yeah, Arthur, and could you pass the mic? Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's on. Let's... Uh, when you first said that... Um... I, I, I sensed something in my mind. I wasn't sure what it was, and I had a s- physical sensation sort of that went with it. And by the third one, I realized that as you were saying the words, there was a picture forming in my mind. But it was very abstract. It wasn't clear. Mm-hmm. And the picture represented was uh, struggle. I, I, uh-huh. I visualized... Just arms and legs, uh-huh. uh, kind uh-huh. of wrestling, uh-huh. um, but they weren't attached to people or bodies, uh-huh. and, and 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 that elicited um, a physical a sensation physical sense. of, of uh-huh. wrestling, uh-huh. struggling. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, 
and, and now I've forgotten what came afterwards, but, but that, that was repeated with each, oh, piece. I kind of visualized a beach, kind of an abstract beach, uh-huh. um, etc. And it had an impact on your experience also, your, your, the feeling. Did it happen? Yeah, because yeah. yeah. the, the, the visual, I mean, I wasn't creating it. it right, it happened, yes, it came. And right. it wasn't a, like a clear picture. It was much more abstract, uh-huh. kind uh-huh. of the way a dream is, you know. It's, yes. It's a thought. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So anybody, anybody else uh, willing to share what happened or say something? Yeah, the, the same thing happened to me is that, you know, I, I saw images they, they popped up and when it was with words like peacefulness it was always a natural image um, with peacefulness I, I saw water and, and ripple effects mm-hmm. but with the, the more the difficult words like struggle there were always humans there and it was like human parts and, uh-huh. and, or me just struggling with myself or, or physical you know my body um, which I just thought was interesting. It's like I, I'm associating the the negative with people and uh-huh, me, and uh-huh. then the positive with natural uh-huh. images. Uh huh. And and was there a feeling shift in? It, it felt like um, I, I every time um, with with the the natural images, I would I just would feel a settling, and then with um, the people images, which people are natural, but. I started to just feel like a contraction. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. Linda in the back. Yeah. With with the positive words like peace, I went to mindfulness. And with the struggle in that, I, I came out of it. Uh huh. Uh huh. So with the mindful with the mindfulness, was there a sense of more of being settled or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I went to settle. Mm-hmm. I went, yeah, I went to presence and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, how many of you had some kind of something happen for the that was different for the different words? Just raise your hands. Okay, pretty pretty broad difference. So this is partly what I want to point to. All I did was say five words, and look at how your experience changed based on the words that I put in to your experience. This, uh, this the couple of things to notice about this. One is that the words that come into our minds really matter. I mean, they impact our experience. We have words going through our mind all day long, <laughs> and they are impacting us in, in just this kind of way. And often we don't actually notice the impact because we're not in this kind of settled place where we're consciously checking in what's going on. So there's that aspect. And to this, the Buddha recommended, he said, and he, he actually said, whatever we think and ponder, that becomes the inclination of our minds. And so if we frequently think about thoughts of uh, ill will, of thoughts of um, harm, that will become the inclination of our mind. If we frequently think about thoughts of kindness, of compassion, of, of letting go, of wisdom, that more becomes the inclination of our minds. And so the, the, this little exercise gave, gave just a little taste of how thoughts impact us. I put the thoughts into your mind this time, but 
our own thoughts have the similar kind of impact on us. So that's one aspect of, of what I wanted to point to with this reflective exercise. The other aspect is that we can begin to see how thoughts impact us. So with each word I dropped in, you began to see that there was a little bit of a shift that happened. With the, the difficult words, there tended to be more agitation or you know, sense of contraction, perhaps, or a, a little bit less feeling of being connected. So there was um, you know, that, Im- that response, that impact, when those kinds of thoughts came in. And when the thoughts of peace, of ease, of generosity came in, there was more of a sense of could have been for you more of a sense of the, the qualities that those represent, or perhaps a reaction. There could have been reaction, too. I mean, if I mentioned peace, and your mind was not in a place where peace felt accessible, there may have been a reaction to hearing that word. So the, the words that come into our minds um, impact our experience, and we can learn from that impact. So this is... Uh, this is in my understanding, the way the metta practice unfolds, we consciously bring thoughts of goodwill in and notice their impact. How do we respond as we bring these thoughts in? Now, as I said before, you know, there may have been, there may be very little impact or so quiet that we're not really noticing it. That's fine. Just, you know, just keep going. Just keep noticing what's going on for you. It can be a contraction, if we have that sense of not enough happiness to go around, there might be that sense of, oh, you know, what, you know, it's not safe to wish somebody else well. Or not safe to wish that person well, because if they're happy, it's going to be dangerous for me. Yeah. Is that what you meant the metamagnet? Uh, the metamagnet that I mentioned the last week? Yeah, I mean, it's that kind of thing. So I have talked about the metta practice being like a metamagnet where, um, you know, what does a magnet do? A magnet pulls its opposite out. And one of my teachers talked about the metta practice with each phrase being kind of like running a metamagnet over our heart. And the metamagnet will be pulling out into into our consciousness things that are kind of the opposite of metta or the things that get in the way of our ability to wish that kindness, to wish that metta. So the, it, it, by dropping these phrases in and noticing the impact, we begin to see our views, our beliefs, our fears, our um, attitudes, our agendas that may be getting in the way. So it, that is not a mistake. I mean, sometimes when people hear about this practice, you know, you, you say, oh, may I be happy, may I be healthy, may you be happy, may you be healthy. We think we're supposed to be sitting here feeling wonderful all the time. And that's not the way this practice works, actually. This practice works by drawing out those things, those ways that we don't, that get in the, things that get in the way, the things that are not metta allows them to come to the surface so that we can, they, they become exposed. Like that belief I had that there was only so much happiness to go around. That got exposed by doing this practice. So um, I've found for myself really considering the metta practice as a reflective practice. And by reflective practice what I mean is 
settling yourself in some degree of quiet and stillness and dropping in some thoughts and then noticing how they land. That, that practice is what the, made the metta practice actually start to come alive for me as opposed to just having some idea, oh, I'm just supposed to be, you know, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, may you be at ease, may you be happy, may you be healthy. Just trying to stay those words by rote over and over again. Actually taking the time, spending time with each one and saying, how does it land? How does this, this wish land for me? So that's one of the aspects I wanted to kind of explore with you a little bit today about the metta practice, that it is a reflective practice. So each of those phrases can be thought of as a reflection. Just, how does that one land for me right now? Are there any differences between the phrases? For myself, I found the first two harder. Uh, May I be happy? May I be healthy? May I be safe was a little easier. May I live with ease? That one was a little easier. So, you know, we we may have different responses to these these requests, to these these, uh, wishes of happiness. And also with others, you know, and with specific beings. It may be easier to wish some phrases than others. So noticing all of that. This is part of how the metta practice works. It begins to clarify in our minds, draw out those things that get in the way, and then begins to perhaps allow us to touch in every now and then. On one retreat, uh, a long metta practice I was doing, I began to touch in when I started doing metta for myself and it began working. It took a, a while for metta practice to myself, to actually, for me to actually connect to that. That was a hard one for me. But after a while, I began to be able to make that wish, may I be happy, and then feel in my heart there was a little bit of, yeah, may I be happy. You know, there was a little bit of like opening there, a little bit of connecting with that wish. And so it was just like this little tiny ember of that wish was like glowing. And then each phrase was like a little breath on that ember. And over, over the course of the next, you know, over the course of a few minutes, I could actually find myself really actually happy, a feeling of, wow, yeah, I feel, I feel good. And, you know, there's a sense of really wishing myself well. So the, um, that practice of checking back in, how does this wish land, gave me a, a doorway to actually begin to feel when that shift of opening happened. The shift of, yeah, I do wish that. When I felt that, that was just the very like beginning feeling of the actual quality of kindness, of care for myself. So we can begin to also learn through this practice. You know, we see the tightening, we see the contraction, we see what gets in the way of metta, and we also start to, to feel the little small shifts of opening and begin to find our way to, to a thread of the quality of metta itself and begin to uh, understand what it feels like. So before I go on, any, any comments or questions about any of this? Yeah, Arthur, there's a mic next to you. Um, uh, so during the, uh, <clears throat> during the um, guided meditation, uh, you said, uh, be with yourself sitting here. Um, um, I'm not sure exactly the phrases you used, but at one point you said... Um, Visualize, think of, 
uh, your good qualities. Mm -hmm. uh, um, Allow yourself to connect with qualities you appreciate about yeah. yourself. And several came up. And as they came up, immediately what came up with them were thoughts of, yeah, but remember when. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> and and it, was, it was a struggle uh, of recognizing qualities that I think I have or that I think are there and reconciling them with the person I think I am. Uh-huh, yeah, um, yep. Um, uh, and, and I sat and I reflected on that and I came to some resolution to it and I, I, I don't really need to go into that but I'm, I'd like to know you, you've been speaking about some of that so yeah some more about that um, yeah definitely this kind of thing can come up this kind of thing can come up for others as well you know if you're thinking about your dear friend and thinking about yeah these are things I like about my dear friend but then they did that thing, and, you know, that wasn't so good. And, you know, so, again, it's this metamagnet, this conscious reflecting on the wholesome, on the beautiful, draws its opposite out. And so it's part of that aspect, that when we reflect on things we appreciate about ourselves or others, we can also, you know, say, yeah, but, okay, that's nullified by that. So, you know, obviously that's, you know... This was the way my mind worked. It's like, well, that one doesn't count because of all of these other things that, you know, obviously cancel that out. <laughs> so, to, to, again, to just recognize this is part of how the practice works, that as we consciously turn our minds towards the wholesome, it draws out those those ways that we are kind of blocked from really connecting with the wholesome. And there can be also a sense of, can we be balanced? It's not that we, it's not that we um, try to delude ourselves, that, oh yeah, everything is sweetness and light out there, and I'm all perfect and wonderful. So it draws out these other things. It's like, yeah, I did that. Okay, can I hold that too? Can I hold that I have this beautiful quality and that I did that action? that I aspire to living from this place and that I don't do it all the time? Can I hold those two together? You know, so that we're not trying to deny or repress that, yeah, these things happened. But we don't have to beat ourselves up about it. It's kind of more, can we learn from it? Can we, can we um, acknowledge, yeah, that wasn't so helpful when I did that. And how might I bring some of these beautiful qualities into those kinds of situations? How might I move forward? So it, it, is, it, is, um, it brings out some of these difficulties and the ways that we're blocked. And some of those difficulties have some, some truth to it. Sometimes they're just fabrications, like, you know, I'm unworthy of my own love. You know, that, that is, is a belief that is just untrue. We are not unworthy of our own love. And there are times when we say, yeah, and I did that thing. You know, that wasn't so skillful. So there's that recognition. Okay, this action wasn't skillful. That doesn't mean that I'm not worthy of my own love. It means that I need to try harder at times. So, and, and likewise, this will happen with, with other people as well. The same kind of process will go on around other people as we bring them into mind and start reflecting on these wishes of goodwill. But they did that, and 
how do I how do I navigate that? You know, can we acknowledge both? Yes, there are some things I appreciate, and these other difficulties. Can I hold them both? We're not trying to uh, paper over and say those things, those difficulties don't exist. It's it's a both and. Yes, I have this caring, and this happened. Can I connect with that caring and know that that happened? And not shut down the caring because that happened. So that's, that's kind of the exploration we're doing around that. And, and also to acknowledge just those completely erroneous beliefs that get in our way, like mine, around if that person's happy, it means there's less happiness for me. I mean, <laughs> that was just not true. say something about where this process leads, where it leads to? Where the practice of metta leads to? Well, no, this, 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 this kind internal of dialogue you, you were, that, that, that you were just talking about that, um, I, that I raised. Um, it, uh, is, it, is it always this, you know, uh, yes and no? Well, I think partly, you know, around, I mean, what what I found happening in my own experience is that with this kind of reflection and willing to be open, yeah, I did that. That wasn't so helpful. Um, it begins to, I mean, I begin to see, okay, that created struggle and suffering in my life. You know, when, that, when I behaved in that way, that was not so helpful. So there's the two, the two pieces. There's the completely erroneous ones, which I think begin to get exposed as erroneous beliefs and views, and we drop them. I mean, for me, that idea that there's only so much happiness to go around is like, that one seems to be pretty much gone in my life. That one doesn't come up anymore. It was exposed as being not true. So having it come up and and realize the absurdity of it in a way over time, you know, beginning to recognize what it was actually saying, that one began to fall away over time. It didn't happen immediately. It's not as if we can see, oh, that, that's a silly thought. I just won't think that anymore, you know. That doesn't work. That, you know, it, it takes time for that kind of thing to fall away. The other kind where it's more like, yeah, I did that thing and that wasn't so skillful. That's more um, of a, you know, acknowledging, yep, that wasn't a helpful thing to do in my um, that wasn't a helpful way to be. And what can I learn from that? What was happening then? How was I contracted? And so we begin to explore that. And in, as those things come up in our minds, they, it's like because they're coming out with the metta, you know, because the, the metta magnet is pulling them out into consciousness, it's like they become more in the field of what we're aware of. And over time it's like, oh, here I am in a similar kind of situation. So can I, can I learn from what I did before? Can I behave, begin to behave in a different way? So I find that this, you know, it, it begins to just expose both the erroneous beliefs and the ways that um, we do behave in ways that are not so helpful. And then it, it may begin to help us to see that as it's happening more. And... Um, Slowly, and this is a slow process, over time we begin to alter the way we are in the world because we've seen that's not a helpful way to be. I mean, when, we, when, when, when ways of being are exposed to 
to us through mindfulness as not leading to our well-being, the mind begins to know that, to understand that. And as it sees it happening in the moment, oh, here I am in this situation. Am I, you know, am I going to head towards that familiar way that I tend to react in this situation? Or can I choose a new path? Uh, so it begins to slowly um, unravel that way. Yeah, Bill. Uh, my, my yes and no seems to be very much related to trusting the meta as a way of behaving or, be, or thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, to trust that it's okay to be in that place of open-heartedness? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So I found myself going back and forth. Yes, I'll trust it now. No, I got to stay defensive. <laughs> yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Can you say something about working with that um, resistance? Resist. No. So is this that happening? Seems in the, to be my resi- one of my resistances in the meta practice itself, or in in the world. Um, well, it, I've noticed it specifically with respect to the meta practice. Okay, that's and probably, I find it much easier to wish meta for others than for myself. And this is not an uncommon thing in our in in our culture. Um, that was definitely the case for me. Um, it took me quite a long time before I could do that. And so, um, the resistance. There's different different ways to talk about working with the resistance. One um, is in the metta practice itself. If you're finding resistance to um, wishing well to a particular person, yourself, for instance, if it feels like you can keep going, even though there's a little bit of resistance, just acknowledging, yep, there's resistance here. Can I be with that resistance and keep going? Keep Do, do that. You know, Stay with the... The practice, and just notice. Yeah, it's pulling the resistance out. Yep. Okay. You know, this is this is part of the way this metta practice works. It pulls out the resistance to the quality of metta itself. You know, that feeling of it's not okay to be wishing this. It's not safe or whatever. So just noticing, acknowledging for yourself, and having a sense of yep, the metta practice is doing its job. <laughs> it's pulling this resistance out. It's it's letting me know. Wow, it's not easy for me to wish this for myself. So if you can keep going with it, just keep going. And not to repress the resistance, though. I mean, to really acknowledge, yep, that's what's coming out. That's how the metta practice is working right now. If it gets more difficult, I mean, I found, I think I described the last time I was here, one time when I was doing the metta, and it just felt like there was this steel band around my chest that I just, ugh, it was so painful that I couldn't even remember the metta phrases. So they were just driven right out of my head. So it's like, well, I can't do the mental practice right now. I can't even remember what, it's, what to say. So when it gets to that place, you can explore either through um, mindfulness the feelings that have come up. So, you know, the, the metta practice has pulled some very difficult sur- space to the surface. Use the mindfulness. You know, turn towards, okay, yep, right now what I'm feeling is aching and you know, a feeling of heaviness and a feeling of 
distraughtness, you know, so that there's both the emotional and the physical component to that. So just acknowledging that with mindfulness. Can, I, can you just be with that with mindfulness? And working with the difficulty that's come up in the metta practice as we would in mindfulness practice. And then as that begins to settle, you could come back to the metta practice. Another thing to explore, if, um, if it is kind of midway between those two, you know, that you, you can kind of keep going, but it feels like the resistance is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger, then you might try... Uh, shifting to a different person, someone for whom it's easier for you to feel metta. So go back to your benefactor. Go back to the easy being. And then something I didn't suggest in the guided meditation, but I've done a couple of times in previous uh, guided meditations, one way sometimes to direct it back to yourself, I found this helpful for myself, is to go through the benefactor. So bring the benefactor to mind, and you know whether it's this easy being that you have might be a pet, um, might be, um, you know, a, another child. I just wish, imagining that that being in front of you sending you the wishes of kindness. Um, there's one, <laughs> one person who was doing the metta practice. This is kind of an uh, apocryphal story. I don't know whether it's true or not, but um, it sounds like it could be true, so... <laughs> They were saying that they, in doing the metta practice, in doing this practice, they wanted to become the person their dog thought they were. <laughs> you know, so you have this sense, you know, with the, your your pets, you know, whatever, you know, that just there's just this worshipful thing going on, and you know, you just have this sense of of overflowing, you know, love coming from your pets sometimes. Like, yeah, you know, I love you. You know, sometimes we can receive it from our easy beings. Sometimes we can receive it from from others. And I began recognizing, oh, you know, I could envision my friends standing around me, wishing me well. And so kind of indirectly, I began to be able to receive that, not directly from myself in my mind, but indirectly through others. So those are a few more um, thoughts on that. And working in it in the metta practice can begin to spill over into our daily life over time. Yeah. What, a couple weeks ago, I know you, in response to a question, you described, I think, the difference between metta practice and mindfulness practice. Mm-hmm. Could you briefly cover that again? I st- find myself still confused. Okay. Um, so in mindfulness practice, well, the metta practice, um, we are actively cultivating a particular quality. So we are actively, uh, with each moment of the practice, bringing in thoughts that will begin to incline our minds in the direction of that quality. So we could do it with, with metta, you know, Kind, phrases of kindness. We could do it with compassion, which is more where we meet suffering. And we bring up situations around which there is suffering, and we try to meet that with an open heart. And the phrase that we use there is, may you be free from this suffering. We can do it with joy. We can bring up images or situations in which people are feeling um, 
success and um, abundance in their lives and see if we can resonate with that. Can we, can we be happy for their happiness? So these, these qualities um, or the practices of the Brahma Viharas, of the, the, these qualities, these beautiful qualities, there's an active turning towards the, uh, the quality by using thoughts. So we're actually using thoughts in the meditation to begin to evoke both the quality and to pull out the resistance to the quality. In the mindfulness practice, we generally practice in a kind of a silent way where we're not actively bringing up thoughts. We may have thoughts that we notice, oh, here's a thought in my mind. But we're more just recognizing, okay, this is what's happening in this moment. We may direct our attention to some other or experience or another, like the breath. How is the breath right now? How is the body right now? But more what we're doing is trying to open to what is already here right now. And through that, we, um, we begin to touch into or open to those beautiful qualities. So that the end goal, the end result is very similar. That in the mindfulness practice, by being willing to be with what is here, we are also cultivating that quality of willingness to be with what's here, that quality of open-heartedness, of kindness, of compassion around what's here. So we're, we're cultivating the same qualities. It's just coming from a different direction. We're more meeting what is and trying to open to what is than actively, you know, with the metta practice, we are, we are doing, we are meeting what is, but within the context of guiding the mind in a particular direction. So um, I want to take a few minutes to, to move on to the next category of being. We talked about, in the past couple of weeks, we talked about the three um, beings that I used in the guided meditation at the beginning. The um, easy being or the benefactor, the um, to self, and to dear friend. So those are the ones we did in the guided meditation. The next person, category of person that... Um, will open to is a neutral person. Um, and so again, you know, these categories that we're working with here in the metta practice are essentially being stand-ins for, they're kind of representatives for ha- our relationships with everyone on the planet. So we, we, have re- we have some relationship with every being on the planet. Either we are ourselves, we have some relationship with ourselves, or we have a relationship to them in terms of um, them being someone that has supported us or helped us. We have a relationship to them in terms of being a dear friend. Uh, we may, most of the people, I'd say the vast majority of those seven billion people on the planet, we, they're neutral to us because we don't know them. They're not, they're not people that we have much to think about. I mean, we just come up with some random person in, in uh, China, you know, some Chinese farmer or Chinese business person, you know. What, 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 what is there? You know, there's just, it's kind of a neutral relationship because there's not much there. And then there are difficult people for us. And so the, the categories of metta essentially represent the various relationships that we have with people on the planet. And we are uh, coming up with specific individuals to kind of stand in 
for the other people in that category for us. The reason we pick specific individuals is because, and I think I said this the last time, that when we um, are doing a practice like this, wishing well, it can be very easy to kind of delude ourselves. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to wish everyone on the planet well. And we can kind of have a sense of, yeah, I wish everyone on the planet well. But when we start getting specific and thinking of, well, what about that person? Again, the, the, the way our minds work, that person, the specifics of that person bring the specifics of our interaction, bring the specifics of our conflicted relationship in. So when we're thinking in general, we easily avoid or deny. It's not, it's, not, it's not so much that we're avoiding. It's just that it doesn't seem to come up for us that when we're thinking in general, generalities, the specifics can be easily overlooked. And so coming up with specific individuals in each of these categories begins to reveal the, um, the ways that we're blocked around the metta with that kind of relationship. So with a neutral person, a neutral person basically is kind of a representative of the vast majority of beings on the planet for us. And how are we able to wish that being well? And how are we um, restricted from wishing that being well? So again, to come up with some specifics. And for this practice, it's helpful to pick somebody that you kind of have a sense of. I mean, you could create a, an image of some completely you know, fabricated being in your mind like my idea of a Chinese business person, you know, that could be a stand-in for all beings. But it also can be helpful to, to, to be specific here, like, you know, picking somebody that you see regularly, but you don't have much of a relationship with. Your, your mail carrier, your, um, a bank teller, a person in the grocery store, somebody you see on the street in the neighborhood where you walk, something like that. Something, somebody that you don't have much of a relationship with, where there's not uh, much to go on in terms of um, wishing them well or uh, other specifics to get in the way and begin to notice what happens as you try to wish a specific individual that you do not know well thoughts of goodwill. Um, For myself, um, this category was a little easier in a way, but the, the, the specifics of individual interactions tended to be what my mind went to. Um, so it was a little easier for me to, to wish somebody well that I didn't know well. Um, and, and if that's true for you, this can be another place to cultivate the, cultivate the feeling of goodwill before going to yourself. So, you know, just exploring for yourself where it's easiest. This is um, one of the aspects of mental practice. We try to start where it's easier and then move outwards to where it's, it's um, less easy. So if you are the most difficult place to bring the metta, that would be, you know, try, do that a little bit later. You know, find the easier categories first and cultivate the easier categories and then see if you can slip yourself in every now and then, wish yourself well every now and then. Um, with um, the neutral person, because we don't know much about them, it can be harder in a way to, to wish them well. I mean, it's like we wish them happiness, but we don't know what we're wishing them. <laughs> so in this, in this way, we 
um, we begin to connect to the kind of well-wishing that, that resonates with shared humanity. And it's like, what ways in which, as a, just a human being, do I want to be happy? You know, I, I'd like to be surrounded by people that I love and that care for me. Um, I'd like to have a safe place to live. I'd like to have enough food to eat. You know, just this kind of basics of being a happy person. You know, this is kind of how we might envision. You know, we don't... So, in terms of um, the connecting with the being. You know, often in the metta practice, we connect with the being, you know, a dear friend or uh, an easy being by visualizing them in some way. And those visualizations can get a kind of... um, They can get juicy, you know, we can, we can visualize our dear friend in the place where we know that they're happy. One, one of my dear friends that I used is an artist, and I envisioned her making art when I was wishing her well. And it made me happy to think of her making art. So that was a kind of a way that I could connect with that. So if, you know, with your friends, with your easy beings, you may, like with my cat, you know, envisioned her curled up in the sun, you know, it's like, yeah, I should be happy there, you know, and it can begin to generate that feeling of connection and caring to, to visualize beings in places that we know um, kind of evokes that for them. Um, with neutral people, we don't have that so much, and so we kind of have to use our imagination a little more to just envision them, you know, maybe laughing or with a friend, you know, an imagined friend or, you know, having a nice meal or, or something that's more um, uh, at the human level, what makes us happy. Um, let's see, anything else about this? So... Um, why don't we just take a few minutes to explore this? We don't have a lot of time left. Um, so I'd rather, I think, rather than taking questions on this right now, let's do the next eight minutes or so as, a, as a, just a little meta. We'll start with um, easy being for a couple of minutes, and then we'll try, try it with a neutral person, and then we'll finish for the day, and next week... Um, We'll continue this conversation, so I'll be, we can take some, some questions, more questions next week. So allowing yourself to settle in to your body, letting yourself be comfortable, maybe taking a couple of breaths to support a relaxation of mind and body. And bringing to mind someone for whom it's easy for you to connect with, a benefactor, an easy being, Someone who makes you smile.
and allowing yourself to reflect on qualities that you appreciate about this being. And connecting in the area of your heart. Noticing what you're feeling there. Envisioning your, this easy being, this being that makes you smile in some way. Or perhaps having the sense of being with them if that's easier than an image. And beginning to wish them thoughts of goodwill. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Remembering using each phrase as a reflection and seeing how each phrase lands in your heart. Taking another minute or so to wish thoughts of goodwill to this being. And allowing yourself to bring a neutral person to mind. Bringing an image of this person if that's possible. Or maybe an image of the place, a sense of the place where you tend to see this person. felt sense of that place, if that's helpful. And beginning to wish this person the thoughts of goodwill.
May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you live with ease. Continuing to silently wish thoughts of kindness to this person. If the mind wanders off of the connection with this being, just come back, reconnect, and begin again, just starting over with the phrases of goodwill. So if you find this helpful, you could explore this in your practice at home and just see what happens for you, remembering the metamagnet. We'll continue this conversation next week. Thank you.